The Theonauts, episode 17. The one where we show that Jesus wasn't an alien. The Theonauts podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Welcome to the Theonauts Podcast. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good name for everybody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I saw David go, oh, it's Blank time. look on my face. Hey, Theo Heads, how yes, you doing? That seems to be the popular one. This Theo one. Heads, I like Theo yeah, Heads. Everyone's... Sticks. I kind of like Theo Not Heads. Theo Not Heads. It kind of has this derivative, like, not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm David Gaddy. And I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the, the Theo Nots. So, how was your week, Jeremiah? It was it was pretty epic, actually. We've been uh, doing vacation Bible school at my church, uh-huh. so uh, I've been having a lot of little kitties and uh, and uh, yeah, that's you. It is me. I'll turn that <laughs> off. I'm sorry. I've been uh, messing around with a lot of kitties and teaching them uh, Agency D three Discover Decide Defend. We've been talking all about apologetics and what oh, it means. That's going to play in nicely It is what we're talking about today. You know, I, I find it funny that most of our topics kind of fit into what I've either been teaching or I'm going to teach the youth. So it's pretty neat. I, I love it. So oh, that's the way the spirit practice. works, man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's like I, I like to call that, you know, a lot of people call them God moments, but I, I like <laughs> to call it the spirit symphony. Yeah. See, because it's like that's everyone's got their own instrument. Unique. And we're playing the same tune. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. So uh, anyways, welcome to the GCT Network. Oh. Yes, the Theonauts are now part of the Great, Great Commission Com- Transmission <laughs> Network. And so uh, we're hoping that this is going to just explode. That's right. All right. So, or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about all this. I Talked to Michael over at the GCT Network, and I think they're pretty excited about it over there. Him and Brendan. Well, it's a you know it's a it's amazing how you can find another uh, another group of, of individuals like minded that that you can mess with with and uh, then proclaim the gospel out into the great unknown and and uh, so it's it's a natural fit and I'm excited to see what God does through it. So uh, man, yeah, I am too. So it's great. So you guys, um, we're not sure exactly. We're still trying to get our legs under us, but there's going to be a website for the Theonauts. Right. Uh, on the GCT Network's site where we can do our show notes right, and that sort of thing. So we'll be promoing that after we get our first one done. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we'll get it all up there so That's that true. you guys can peruse. Like if we if we throw out a, um, a reference to a book or website or whatever, we'll try and link those in the show notes. Yeah. So... Make us more professionalized. Yeah, step our game up a little That's bit. That's right. <laughs> We've been needing to step our game up, I'll tell you what. We need to write a book. <laughs> yeah, so, well, um, aside from that, I've also been kind of uh, busy with some youth. We had yeah. a youth camp that um, my wife and I have 
been a part of now for the past few years. And uh, we were in Rio Oso, New Mexico. New Mexico. And that was nice. One day it was like 55 degrees in the middle wow. of the day. And so, That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's in, the, it's in the, a strange area of New Mexico. New Mexico is so vast as far as, I mean, they got desert. Right. They've got mountains. they got snow and skiing. I mean, they, yeah. it's just like all over the place. And it's so <clears throat> Rio Oso's in, there is a ski resort there, but it's kind of on the southern end of all that stuff. So... Huh. Just 30 minutes out of Rio Doso and you're in the desert. Wow. So, and it's like an hour from Roswell. <laughs> so Really? And Roswell is just like nothing. Yeah. Well, and it's an hour the other direction to Alamogordo, which is where um, the white sands oh, and yeah. all that is. So, yeah. yeah, on either side of it, it's just like wow, nakedness. Huh. <laughs> and then right there, you know, you got all these mountains. Yeah. But, yeah, we had a great... Uh, Spirit-filled time. I mean, we just did things like, uh, like let the the kids do role play. That was fun. Yeah. Where, where we were like, okay, I'm an atheist. Talk to me about Jesus or talk to me about God. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, it was really funny because, it, and, and very helpful, I think, because Christians have a bad rap when it comes to dealing with non-believers right uh we have this holier than thou reputation um and this judgmental attitudes all these things are thrown upon us right? sure well we've earned that sure absolutely. and a lot of it become comes from you know an honest place where a person is genuinely trying to proclaim what they believe yeah and but don't know they don't know how to do it right and so they end up being offensive yeah in the process. Turn or burn because <laughs> right. they don't understand how to... Yeah. Right, right, right. And so th- this little exercise is the first time I've ever really had them do this and um, it wasn't my idea so I can't take any credit. <laughs> but it was a, but it was really cool because, uh, you know, me and uh, with my science studies and sure. my scientific apologetics that I've been sure. really big into, um, I was able to like really play the role of an atheist in some of these situations and make the same arguments that I often have heard. Right. And so, um, we were having these conversations and the, the idea was to, to get people to get these young men to be in men and women to be thinking in terms of say something to plant a seed, not to convince. Well, you good. see, we turn it into a debate all right off the bat. You know, I believe in God. I, I, I believe right. in science. Well, right. I believe in science too, but I believe in science and, you know, whatever. Right. And it becomes a debate. And what we were trying to teach them to do is, is you don't even necessarily have to say the word Jesus or God because you have to start, when you're talking to an atheist, you have to start where they are. They're, right, absolutely. They, they, don't, they don't trust the Bible at, the, at this point. So quoting the Bible does nothing for them. That's right. So you have to... Plant this little seed that maybe there is something other than evolution. Maybe there's something other than... So if you can just plant those seeds, then they might want to continue the conversation. Right. So our goal was to get the people, to get me to the place as being playing the atheist, to say, hey, that's that's interesting. Why don't we sit down and talk sometime, you know? Right. And that's that, really that's all you can help hope to accomplish in a first conversation Man, I think we need to do more of that in the church. I believe equipping, especially you know, my you know, working with kids, half the time they don't they don't have a clue of where to even start uh, in defending their faith or 
uh, you know, in apologetics, which is basically what you're talking about. My pastor says. Exactly. Or my daddy says. That's right. Or I believe the Bible is, you know, inerrant, and that's it, period, you know. And, uh, you know, and this is what it says in my Bible. And you got to understand, they don't believe in your Bible, so no yeah. matter what you say to them. And, and I've had Christians tell me things like, I don't need to know what happened to the dinosaurs. That, I don't believe in that. So it's like, well, if you don't go that extra mile to inform yourself of how dinosaurs right. can fit into the biblical account, then you have no legs to stand on when you're talking to somebody who is a paleontologist, right? right? And, and knows for a fact these animals existed. Existed, yeah. So anyway, yeah. It's To me, it's all, all apologetics is about... Um, it's about getting to a point where you can explain to somebody else how you get to where you are, right. not where you are, but right. how you start to get there. And the the whole point is, if you're going in closed off, talking to them without wanting to listen to their argument, then they're going to close off immediately to you. Right. So, you know, you've got to go in with an open open uh, arms, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to love them where they are. you got to go exactly. to them where they are right. and start there. And I'm not saying, you know, you agree or, uh, you know, uh, even really consider their viewpoint, but I'm saying you listen to their viewpoint, right, right. which is important. So, anyways, so, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, so a good we, week. Oh, it was a great time. Uh, we had uh, uh, several... Really good uh, discussions and Neat. and uh, sharing. The young men and women that were there were just blowing my mind on <laughs> how much they knew about scriptures. And, wow! And we play, played some uh, Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, that's so fun! <laughs> I don't think I was texting you about yeah. that because you were doing the same thing with <laughs> right with my youth. and. Uh, but man, they were like there were some tough questions in there, and those kids were just like bam, bam, just nailing them. So I'm always surprised when I play Jeopardy to see how much those kids know, and we don't give them enough credit, but they know a lot. So yeah, it's pretty neat. All right, so hey, do we have some news? This we time? do. And now the news. Well, what do you think about gun control, David? Guns don't kill people. People kill people. (laughs) I'm of the same mindset. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I believe there's a lot of people out there of the same mindset, but some interesting development in the news, and a lot of people are up in arms. (laughs) Pun intended. see what you did there. Yeah, up in arms (laughs) about this situation. Um... I don't know if you've ever heard of the the gunmaker Heckler and uh, Koch from Germany. H and K. H and K. That's right. They're Lock and load, baby. Um, they're an amazing in, uh, in, in ingenuitive. Is that a word? Sure. Engineering, gun engineering, uh, a group, and uh, it's it's all pretty much by uh, one guy, and uh, it's in Germany, based out of Germany. Well, they uh, they're they're responsible for the gun that. Shot Osama bin Laden, killed Osama bin Laden. Oh, right. So they're getting a lot of attention. Um, but the gun maker. That was the only gun good enough to do it, right? That's right, the only one. <laughs> Truly interesting. Uh, the the lead gun maker of H&K, um, his name's Ernst. Um, he has always had a struggle internally with making guns because he understands that while they're necessary, they're necessary evil because they do harm 
uh, innocent people take innocent lives all the time. Uh, for instance, he, he talks about, in this article, he talks about whenever he was creating this new sniper rifle, um, he would lay awake all night long wondering, is he doing the right thing? Uh, because this thing is so, you know, powerful and and uh, and accurate that he could, you know, he could... But he says he justifies it by imagining a kidnapper holding a child and uh, this gun has got to do what it's got to do, which is take the kidnapper down. And so, um, anyways, he's developed a new technology. Uh, and basically, it's a new smart gun. Um, and I'll just read this blurb. Uh, Munich Solution, the P I, uh, IP1, can be personalized so that it only fires from the gun's rightful owner... Um, by wearing a specialized watch connected wirelessly to the weapon. <laughs> so, in other words, you have to be wearing this watch in order to fire the gun. Right. If you're not wearing the watch, the gun won't go I saw off. that in a movie once. What was that? Yeah, it's actually really interesting because it came out a while back at 007's... I think it's Quantum of Solace. Was that it? The, the latest 007 movie, if you remember right... Skyfall was the latest. Skyfall, that's it. In Skyfall, he, he has this gun, and it's personalized to him. His, you know, his Walter, his famous Walter, is personalized to him. On the grip, it has finger rec recognition, right? Mm -hmm. So it knows if it's him firing the gun or not, and if it's not him, then the person picks it up, click, 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 it doesn't work, and, you know, he gets the gun back and fires. So, but this is, you know, wearing a, a watch. So a lot of people are actually considering him a traitor because of this. Um, yeah, it's wow. crazy. I'll, I'll read you this. Um, the gun world sees him in a different way as a traitor. The target of the fury is a new smart gun designed by Amtrak, a startup near uh, Munich. The very concept of a weapon has been attacked by the U.S. gun right activists, even as it has helped uh, Munich's resolve, a sense of guilt that has haunted him his entire life. Uh, he knows children have been killing each other with guns and crimes have been committed by them. Um, this is what, basically, this is one gun, gun lobbyist, what he's saying. I love Ernst and his contributions to the fire, firearms are incredible, said Jim Shantz, a gun industry consultant who worked with uh, Muk and Heckler. Uh, but he doesn't understand that anti-gunners will use this as, to infringe on a constitutional right. They don't have a second amendment in Germany. Uh, so basically what he's saying is this. Well, now gun rights activists are going to say, hey, let's put this technology on all our guns so that uh, you can't fire a gun without if that it's bracelet yours. if it's not yours right. uh, and make that into a law in America. And they're really worried about that because they don't, you know, it, it restricts the free trade of guns and, you know, which is actually illegal free trade of guns. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of people upset about it and so there's this bait raging well is this good or is this bad no. i mean i i personally think it's a good step in gun control i'm all for owning guns and firing guns actually i've been out to your house shooting guns yeah. a time yeah. or two that's right because that's what we do here in texas <laughs> that's right but uh <laughs> shoot something that's right but if it's your gun and you have the bracelet then what's the problem mm -hmm. you know what i mean right. so uh and, and i don't think it restricts you as far as having a gun i think it restricts people from stealing guns if you keep the bracelet right. and the gun right. separate you know yeah. what i mean and so I, th I think it's brilliant but anyways i thought that was a an well it's just article. an extension of a safety 
Pretty much. I mean, I don't know all the is. details, and there's probably some arguments for uh, you know against why it's it's not a good idea. But I mean, really, it's just an extended safety mechanism. So. That's all it is, and you know, it actually might uh, make it so that we can own guns in the future by having this. Yeah, it would be a pain stuff. if you come over to my house and I say, "Oh man, you got to fire this new gun of mine." Oh, here, let me <laughs> let me take off my watch <laughs> and put it on you, and then give you. The okay, I'll give it back now. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's an extra step. It could but, be, you know, somewhat problematic. That's right, but you know, it's safety. If anybody ever picks up your gun and tries to use it on you, yeah. they can't if if they're not as wearing long, a watch. Yeah. As long as they don't put the watch on first. But <laughs> anyway, so that's I thought that was a pretty interesting. Uh, news article that comes from the Washington Post. But uh, another interesting one, uh, Mark Driscoll's in trouble again. Yeah, I saw something about that. What's what's he doing now? All right, so way back in 2000, back when the internet was uh, still in its growing pangs and we mm-hmm. had these things called, you know, comment, full comment pages. Do you remember those? Y2K. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, uh, he got on a forum... And uh, he went under a pseudonym called William Wallace II. Okay? <laughs> uh, after the iconic right. William Wallace yes. from the Braveheart movies. And uh, he posted a lot of uh, anti-gay, anti-feminism uh, comments and traditional marriage traditionalist comments um, against a lot of posters and and he would say some pretty lewd and, and mean things uh, under the pseudonym William Wallace and and didn't tell anybody about it nobody found out about it it was just this thing well uh, he he wrote a book <laughs> I wrote a book <laughs> that's right he wrote a book just like our good friend over there and uh, in this book he he came out and apologized for it. He came out and admitted where he had messed up. Okay. Understood where he had messed up. And and I don't know really if you can... So here we go again. Consider this messing up. <laughs> A guy can't confess his sin. Exactly. Well, he comes out and he says uh, in his 2000 book, 2006 book, he admits to posting in the forums and said it was something that I shouldn't have done. Uh, that I was convicted about, God convicted me, and then I learned through that experience on how to better handle myself as far as frustration. So you read a comment on a post. We've all done this before. We'll, we'll watch a good YouTube video, oh, you get right? Fired up, and yeah. then you get fired up by reading the comments underneath the trolls, right? Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, I got to post back. Well, he's learned from this experience that you know what I need to temper my my uh, reaction with patience, with love, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's basically, that was his point in the book. I learned from that. So what did people do? They went and they pulled up, they drudged up all the comments that he had made back from 2000. 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, 15 years ago. Yes. And and started reposting them, especially the anti-Mark uh, Driscoll commenters. Um, so let's call for the guy to step down. Right. For something that he did 15 years ago, and he's and you only know about it because he made confession. Right. So already it says uh, it, on Friday uh, at his church service, he actually had to publicly apologize in to his church for the 
postings again, uh, even though he had already admitted to him and shared that he had received freedom from them. It, you know, wake up, book, church. I seriously, man, this drives me crazy. Me too. So it says the content of my. This is him saying the content of my postings. Postings to that discussion board does not reflect how I feel or how I would conduct myself today, he told his church members Friday. Over the past 14 years, I've changed and, by God's grace, hope to continue to change. I hope all, I also hope people I've offended and disappointed will forgive me. Several bloggers, including frequent Bristol critics Warren uh, Throckmorton and Wenatchee the Hatchet, Whoever went after the hatchet posted links to the William Wallace II comments over the past week. The discussion also surfaced in a 541 member Facebook group for Mars Hill critics. That's his church, Mars Hill, mm-hmm. where it garnered more than 150 comments. Members of the group have planned a peaceful protest for Sunday at Mars Hill's Bellevue campus where Driscoll will be preaching. And they're going to hold up signs that say, See, this, question Driscoll. There's a bigger problem here. The, 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 the problem is not necessarily, I mean, the problem is with the church. But there's a problem outside of that. Yeah. Because people who are against Christianity have a misunderstanding about Christians because of Christians. That's right. They have a misunderstanding that Christians are supposed to be flawless. Yeah. And the minute you make a mistake, ah, see, I'm not the only one with sin. You got sin too. Right. And and I'm going to pull out your past sin from 15 years ago, even when you've confessed it in a book and said that God has given you freedom. Part of that is because Christians aren't saying, I'm a sinner redeemed. Yeah. They're They're giving the impression to people that I'm better than you. Yeah. I have less sin than you yeah. or whatever. And so it causes this type of, of backlash, both in and out of the church. You know, the church is the only, I've heard the church is the only institution that shoots its own wounded. Oh, yes. And that's that's the reality. And we really, I mean, so a pastor comes out and says, I've learned something from the past and confesses their sin. And and not just, we have to do it generalized, you know. We have to say, well, I, I had a problem with lust. But yeah. They don't come out and say, you know, I was searching porn sites. They don't come out and say that because God forbid somebody come up to them and say, question, you know, Pastor Orr because he's, you know, he's a he was a porn addict or something like that. <laughs> and the reality is it just, it just destroys, um, I'm sorry, my phone keeps going off and I thought I turned it off. <laughs> Give me a second. But it just destroys, uh, it, it destroys the church. Mm-hmm. Because what it's doing is just showing the world that we're all a bunch of hypocrites. Right. And see, and, that, and that's the, the, the thing. is it's, it's not, This is not hypocritical if you're not portraying that you're sinless. Right. Or that you are less sinful than somebody else. You know, I can really relate to what he's dealing with here because I have said things that I shouldn't have said. Right. In like, I've been in, in, in meetings about Christian issues dealing with Christianity and gotten fired up, said things I shouldn't have said, done whatever. And, and, you know, by the grace of God, I've been able to, to, to turn around to those people and say, look guys, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I, I I lose control of my mouth. I shouldn't have said that. I didn't really mean that. I took it to the nth degree just to make a point. Um, you know, right. God forgive me, and you know, hopefully, the people will forgive me too. 
And like he said, that has helped me grow. If I didn't lose my cool in front of people, then I wouldn't have gained the patience (laughs) that I got as a result of falling on my face and doing things I shouldn't do and damaging my own credibility. So, yeah, I'm saying, wow. I mean, I'm not a complete Mark Driscoll fan or anything, but I'm all on his side on this thing. Well, it's just frustrating. And to me, it's the thing I like about Driscoll is this. He screwed up so many times, Mm -hmm. and he lives his life in the open. Right. Transparency. Exactly. That's what we all need to be doing. I think if there's one thing that the church needs to really learn right now, it's transparency. It's being open mm-hmm. and being honest. Right. That's what, you know, that's what First John talks about when it says, you know, Walking living in the, light. in the light. Right. And that's what we need to be letting, doing. Letting the light expose our sins. How amazing would it be to a non-Christian to see a Christian come to another and say, dude, I, I screwed up in that. And they're like, ah, it's all right. We, we all screw up. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. And restoring instead of right. rejecting. Instead of calling somebody out. And say, yeah. I think you really need to know this. Jeremiah yeah. did blah, blah, blah. All right. Wow. <laughs> so that's crazy. All right. Just a couple of really interesting uh, stories and then we'll be done. Um, there's a petition out for Weird Al Yankovic to perform... At the Super Bowl halftime show for this next time. It's got 51,000 supporters, and I think we all should go and support it. Because awesome. I'm all about it. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Um, <laughs> it says, I, I, there's this blurb, it's hilarious. Um, let me find it here. Having Weird Al headline the Super Bowl halftime show would not only only be overly accepted by millions of viewers, but it would remain true to the standards and quality of the show business we have come to love and respect out of this prestigious <laughs> event. I love the Italian sheep. Yeah, wow. That's so great. So I think we should all go in, in honor uh, in honor of Weird Al and, and sign that petition. But the last thing, and this has to do with our topic today, there is a new movie coming out, um, Clavius movie, that will tell the story of a Roman centurion investigating the resurrection of Christ. Oh. It's really neat. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Joseph Phineas... Um, the guy who who did Shakespeare in Love, okay, the movie yeah. Shakespeare in Love, and Tom Felton, Draco from the Harry Potter movies, mm-hmm. uh, are set to star in a in a Bible inspired big screen effort. The plot sounds promising, according to Deadline. In Clavius, uh, fifty days after the crucifixion, a Roman centurion is dispatched by Pontius Pilate to investigate rumors of the risen Messiah and to locate the missing body of Jesus in order to subdue the uprising in Jerusalem. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, so that's I wonder what kind of really... spin they'll take on it. Exactly. I wonder what they'll do. Well, it says along the way, his own skepticism about Christ is, this is, quote, challenged as he encounters the apostles and other historical characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie is due to hit theaters in Easter weekend next year. Wow. So we'll check that it out. really see. cool. Yeah, but uh, it kind of fits with our uh, our topic today, which is going to be yeah. the resurrection. Great segue. Yeah. All right. The resurrection. Did it happen? Was it all false? 
Does it matter? Who's lying to us? <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Doubt everybody. So here we go. Talk about apologetics. Yeah. So this is what what uh, is driving this episode. That's right. Is, okay, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, we got no legs to stand on. That's right. In fact, I think that, um, you know, we, we have a ton of miracles of Jesus. Mm-hmm. This miracle is the one that gives Christians credibility. Um, and I'll read a passage from uh, Paul that he, he he writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. All right, go for it. What version are we in? Um, and I believe I'm in the uh, NIV, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So, now if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can someone say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has been not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is without foundation, and so is your faith. In addition, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also died. Uh, If we have placed our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, we're going to go and uh, get beaten, thrown in jail, killed, whatever. Surrender our entire lives. (laughs) Wow. To a lie. Exactly. And so this is this is largely um, important because it's, this is also at the heart of some of these other popular. I mean, you know, we've beaten up Dan Brown a few times on yeah. the show, but you know, one of Dan Brown's claims was that Jesus didn't actually die at Calvary; that he went on to father children right. with Mary Magdalene, and they ran off to. Uh, he somehow so, survived the crucifixion. Yeah, so that's going to play into our discussion because, right. okay, if that's true, then the whole, everything's a farce. Right. Everything we've believed in uh, our whole lives, um, the Holy Spirit, what's he doing here? Exactly. <laughs> so, well, so. And, and here's the deal. This is the, uh, uh, this is the one most debated thing about Jesus. Mm-hmm. whether he, he, the resurrection was real. And it's the one with the most theories. There's so many different right. opinions about... Now, we got to understand something. Jesus is the most famous character in all of history. Amen. There have been more books written about him, more music written about him, more movies made about him or his followers, um, and more commentary, more podcasts <laughs> <laughs> made about Jesus than any other figure. Single person in history. There's there's a reason for that. He was a central figure to this whole understanding of Western Christianity. He is he is the one. Uh, in fact, Christianity is named after him. And this single fact is the debated most debated one out of all the others. There's right. so many theories about what happened to Jesus's body or what happened at the crucifixion. So we need to nail down. Some facts, is that right, before yeah. we start this um, debate? Well, you know, and one of the things that I want to bring out, too, and, and you may have this quote over there somewhere, but um, 
there's there's this saying that I think holds true here um, in this particular segment, more so than most of them that we've talked about, and that is that you know all these all these people in the world, no one de- denies that Jesus is a historical figure, right? Right? Even even the Muslims claim that he's a great prophet, right? Okay. Well, Jesus is more than a great prophet because he is either a liar. So the things that he says aren't true about right. being God and about his resurrection. Or he's a madman, right. so he's crazy Absolutely. and completely out of his mind. Or he's God. That's right. And the resurrected son of God. So uh, uh, I want to hit a couple of verses of out of Jesus' mouth. Sure. Right? Okay. So Jesus tells us in Matthew 21, or sorry, Matthew 16, verse 21. This is the New Century Version. It says, from that time on, Jesus began telling his followers that he must go to Jerusalem where the Jewish elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the law would make him suffer many things. He told them he must be killed and then be raised from the dead on the third day. Wow. And that's not the only time Jesus says that. He that's says right. it in Mark 8 and 31. He says it in Mark 9, 31. He says it in Mark 10, verses 33 to 34. And he says it again in Mark 14, verse 28. So Jesus is either lying to us, he's crazy, or this happened. Right. So the facts that you wanted to... All right. So basically the facts are this, that Jesus had to, uh, and these are the the facts that everybody agrees on. I think you wrote them down. Minimal facts that we have to believe in in order to believe this. Right. So, uh, okay, Jesus was crucified. Right. Uh, Jesus, so historically, Jesus was crucified. In that process, he died. So that's number two. Right. Number three, he was actually buried. Right. Uh, number four, that tomb was found empty three days later. Yes. Okay. Uh, number five, friends of Jesus saw him after the resurrection and believed in the resurrection because they physically saw him. Right. Okay. And six enemies of Jesus or people who weren't believers of Jesus saw him after the resurrection and therefore believed Believed. in the resurrection. So we've got six minimal things that we have to prove or, or keep from disproving in order for us to maintain our understanding that Jesus died, was buried and was resurrected. Right. The gospel. Now there are, like we said, several theories Mm-hmm. about Jesus's body, about what happened at the resurrection. Um, and so we are going to cover uh, basically some of the major, major theories out there. And the first one I think you brought up, and, and I'll go ahead and let you talk about it, uh, the swoon theory, okay. which is what Dan Brown says. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the, the swoon theory hits uh, several of our facts. Okay. The swoon theory says in essence, that Jesus was beaten, mm-hmm. just historically, he was, he was crucified. However, he didn't quite die. So, I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm not quite dead. I feel happy. No, he was, so he didn't quite die. He was mostly dead. <laughs> For you, Princess Bride fans out there. <laughs> He's mostly dead. So uh, he was mostly dead, but not actually dead. And so everyone thought he was dead. They took him off the cross. They put him in the tomb. But sometime in the next three days, he regained consciousness. 
<laughs> and was like, let me out of here. Right. Moves the stone and gets out. Okay. So this is the swoon theory. Right. Now, the evidence, some of the evidence they use for the swoon theory is that uh, a lot of people actually did survive crucifixions. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they were just nailed to the cross or mo- actually most of them were hung on a cross and then brought down. Right. right. Not nailed to the cross. It was in the case of Jesus. But I'll yes. let you go ahead and debunk okay. this one. Okay, so there are, we talk about those minimal six facts, okay? Yes. They don't deny the fact that he was crucified. They don't deny the fact that he was buried in a tomb. They don't deny the fact that um, the tomb was found empty the next morning. They don't deny the fact that friends of Jesus saw him afterwards and therefore believed. So, but what they do fail in is the the idea that Jesus died. Because they said that he he didn't die. And they fail in the fact that they say that um, enemies didn't necessarily see Jesus. And, and so, okay, so let's look at, at some of the things where this just falls flat on its face. Sure. Okay, first off, uh, medical standpoint. Yeah. Okay, so Jesus, if we look at the historical records, and there are historical records in, the, in Roman writings that tell what happened at Jesus' trial, okay, um, Jesus was scourged. Right. Now, um, 40 lashes with um, with the cat of nine tails. Right. Okay, now the reason why, uh, the Bible doesn't go into a lot of detail about the scourging, but the reason why the scourging had to stop at 40, that was the, mo- that was the most you could do by law. And the reason why is because they believed that any further scourging could cause death itself. Right. And some people did actually die from scourging. Sure. Uh, Pilate's job, or what he was trying to do, is prevent the crucifixion. Right. He did not want to put this man to death. Right. He wanted to punish him severely and hope that that would placate the Jews. That's right. why he was scourged. Okay, so that's why he gives him a very harsh scourging. Right. So he gives him uh, this this horrific thing. If you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, it portrays this very historically accurately. So he was he was beaten with a whip that contained bones and metal on the ends woven into the tips of the whip. This would grab into the flesh, rip the flesh. It would also, in many times, actually snag organs because by the time you whip the same piece of flesh more than you're going up to 40 times, right? You're going to start tearing deeper and deeper and deeper into the body. Right. So it has been been noted that that organs have been ripped from people's bodies through this process. Right. Well, uh, I have a, a, a quote from a guy by the name of Esubus. Esubus mm-hmm. uh, was the four, a fourth century Christian scholar. Right. Um, and he was pretty much what, three, two generations removed from the yeah, He was account. at the Nicene Council. Nicene right. Council. That's right. Uh, this is a quote from him though about the scourging. Those standing around were struck with amazement at seeing the rat, la- them lacerate with scourges to the very blood and artery so that no flesh concealed in the very inmost parts of the body and the bowels themselves were exposed to view. Right. Oh, yes. So this is a brutal thing. In fact, what did Pilate say when it was done? He brought Jesus in front of the Jews and said, Behold, the man. Yeah. In other words, look what I did. Yeah, check this out. (laughs) Yes. So this was not just a a pat on the butt. This was a horrific punishment. So we see that that Jesus, as a result of this, 
could not even carry his cross right. all the way up to Calvary. Right, he had to have so somebody he else So he had carry. to have help. So, okay, so he's, he's beaten almost to the point of death. He is um, lost tons of blood. He got the crown of thorns thing, which was an additional uh, blood, blood loss yeah. type of thing. So uh, he is enduring uh, pierced hands and feet. Now, when you're hanging on the cross for any extended amount of time whatsoever, um, what actually kills you is suffocation right. because you can't support your own weight. So uh, the weight begins to pull down on the arms. You end up, uh, most of the time, the shoulders will go out of joint first. That's the, the first thing that happens is both of your shoulders are dislocated. Yeah. We read in Psalms 22, the Messianic Psalm, about Jesus' death, and he says, my arms are out of joint. Yep. So, uh, so apparently Jesus was disjointed. Uh, doesn't mean his bones were broken. They were just dislocated. So, right. so his shoulders were dislocated and maybe even his elbows. Yeah. So that was very common for that to happen. At the same time, your feet are crossed one on top of the other and a single nail pierced through it with your legs in a bent position so that you could push up on that nail if you wanted to take a breath. So you had two choices. You could either pull yourself up by your arms the best you could or push on the nail that your feet were that was holding your feet. So in doing this, you could catch a labored breath and then relax again until you needed another breath. Right. So this goes on until you're so weak, you can't pull yourself up to take a breath. Right. And you basically are just uh, suffocating in your own um, fluid around your heart and around your lungs and everything else. So, uh, so anyway, let's assume that he survived that. Okay. The Jews wanted him off the cross Prior to the next day, which was a holy day, which was exactly. a, a Sabbath day, not necessarily Saturday, and we talked about that before, but it was the first day of the Passover feast, right. so it was a holy day. And they didn't want him on the cross during that time frame, so they took him down. Now, before they took him down, they wanted to ensure that he was dead, so That's what right. did the Roman soldier do? Pierced his side right. with a spear. Right. Just to, to make sure. Now, remember, with the other people, there were other people being crucified at the same time as Jesus. Mm -hmm. And with the other people, what did the Roman soldiers do? They broke their legs. Right. Right? And uh, But when they came to Jesus, they realized that he was already gone. They, right. They believed that he was already dead. And listen, these Roman soldiers have been doing this for how long, I wonder? Have been crucifying. Yeah, they're professionals. Yes, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So when they look up at a guy and they say, "Oh, that guy's dead," no need to break his legs. Right? <laughs> There's no. And, need to and break the his idea legs. behind breaking the legs was exactly what we were talking about. That exactly. was one of the ways you could use to get your breath. If your legs were broken, you couldn't push yourself up, right? And therefore, uh, you couldn't do anything. So anyway, uh, he's he, his side is pierced just to make sure blood and water do come out. So we know that there was fluid built up. That's the water, right. and there was blood. And so uh, he comes out, he gets put into the tomb. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Let's assume this swoon theory is right, and he didn't actually die at this point. So you've got your severe loss of blood. So uh, you're anemic at this point. Uh, your arms are out of joint. So you, both of your shoulders are out of joint. Elbows are out of joint. You've got a wound in your ankles that you have been putting all your weight upon for hours. Right. And so um, you're going to get up off of your deathbed 
and move a stone large enough to cover the entrance to the cave you're in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a stretch, right? Just to be able to move the stone. In addition, we see that, um, that not only did he have to move the stone, but according to the eyewitness accounts, you had the road to Emmaus account. Right. Okay, that's seven miles from... <laughs> that's seven. So he gets up and runs a marathon. Right. So he gets up <laughs> and he walks yeah. with, with some disciples and they don't say, dude, what's wrong with you, man? You need to go see the doctor. <laughs> they, they, they just have a conversation and they walk with him like right. it's no big deal. Okay, so they go seven miles to Emmaus. Then Jesus comes back to the upper room which is another seven-mile trek back, and then uh, across the city of Jerusalem from the, the tomb to where the upper room was. So, and, and once again, he shows up in a locked room, right. which, okay, we won't even talk about that one yet. So he shows up in a locked room, and they don't go, Jesus, man, you need a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're amazed at his situation. Exactly. So, uh, it just doesn't make any sense from a medical standpoint. No, um, I I, I uh, also have a. This is a really good quote from from a book I'm reading from Apologetics uh, mm-hmm. by the author Doug Powell, but it's a really good little quote. He says, "For the swoon theory to be true, Jesus would have um, had to have not only survived the spear piercing his heart and one of his lungs, but he would have had to control how much blood." flowed out of the wound by sheer willpower. Mm. If a spear pushes your side, hits your heart and your lungs, mm-hmm. you're going to issue enough blood that you're going to die. Oh, you're going to bleed out. Exactly. Yeah. It's naturally. And so the reality is there's no way that Jesus could survive the crucifixion to begin with. Right. And 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 not in not only that be able to do what we know happened from eyewitness accounts right. afterward. So Disproving the swoon theory, we pretty much just, all, all we do is uh, add the died to the list, and mm-hmm. therefore, the account fits. Right, right. And so, uh, let's let's go on to another theory here. Okay. The twin theory. This one cracks me up. <laughs> I have the some, prestige. I have some of the, these <laughs> more absurd story. Yeah, the prestige. So, this theory basically says this. At the birth of Jesus, there was a birth of another man. His twin brother. This twin looked... Is Brian? He was an... Is, is his name Brian? Brian. Yes! His name, how did you know? His name was Brian. There must have been a movie about him. Mate. Anyways, this guy basically stayed in hiding his whole entire life. Either that or Jesus and this guy had a lot of fun pretending to be each other. But there's no account of him at all. At all. And then on the night... That Jesus was arrested. Jesus switched places with this dude. This dude, his twin, identical brother, died on the cross and then was discarded. His body was discarded with and Jesus came out of the tomb. The bait and switch. Bait and switch. Okay. This is an actual theory that people actually believe. Now, what's nuts about this, of course, it, it denies pretty much everything. The crucified... Uh, the the died from the crucifixion, mm-hmm. the buried in the tomb. Uh, it does not defy, deny the tomb found empty. 
because of course, hey, it's his twin brother. Right. Um, or that he appeared to his friends and enemies. It doesn't deny that. It just denies everything else up to that. Okay. Well, the, here's the problem with that. Number one, there's no account at all in history ever of a twin brother of Jesus. Right. You think for 33 years, a man in hiding would be found out in some way. Especially or there since, would be something written about him. Especially since we know that Jesus did have half-brothers. Exactly. The Bible right, The Bible talks about uh, Jesus' family, his mm-hmm. half-brothers, his other brothers, his father, his mother. Right. Also, Luke, um, who's one of the writers of the Gospel of Luke, for, he, he is the writer of the Gospel of Luke, probably took his account straight from the mouth of Jesus' mother, Mary. Mm. Um, and if he took his account straight from the mouth of Mother Mary, don't you think Mary might have mentioned that, hey, by the way, you had a brother? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this is news to Mary Magdalene, who not Mary Magdalene, sorry, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who followed Jesus till the day he died, why would, and not only that, why would his brothers be such an adamant follower of that, Jesus. This is a weird theory. It's a stupid and, theory. Well, and, and one of the things to me that, that plays into, that I don't know if we, we, we might have failed to mention this, but there is enough of this evidence in this checklist that the Jews are concerned, right? Right. Okay, the Jews, we have record of the Jews saying the tomb was empty. Yeah. Okay, so we know that that tomb was empty. So right. this is just a farce to try and figure out how to explain right. something that, that we know happened. Right. So it's, you know, it's just another adventure and, you know, <laughs> trying to disprove Jesus. So what's the next theory there? Uh, I've got the wrong tomb theory. Yes, the wrong tomb. Okay, so the wrong tomb theory basically makes everyone who ever knew Jesus an idiot. (laughs) Because because here's what it says. Okay, there was all kinds of tombs around the area. They all look alike. They're all very similar. So maybe they took Jesus down, put him in a tomb, and then... Three days later, the women and all the disciples came to the wrong tomb and found it empty. Right. Okay. So Jesus is still buried somewhere. Now, hold on. Not only did they come to the wrong tomb and find it empty, what do they do? They go back and tell... Right, right. So this is where it gets funny because because <laughs> because it makes people to be complete idiots yeah. <laughs> that are in the in the, eye, the, the eyewitness account. Oh, that's so funny. So once again here, they're saying that... Um, they're saying that Jesus did die. They're saying that he he was crucified. He did die. Uh, he was buried in a tomb, uh, and that the tomb was found empty. So they admit all those facts, but they fail on the account of saying that friends saw Jesus afterward. Okay, so what they're saying is um, because they found the tomb empty, they had to make up a story. <laughs> Okay, so they started lying about seeing Jesus afterward. And, of course, we also have records of enemies believing in Jesus afterward. Right. Or I say enemies, people who were not believers of Jesus. Skeptics. Right. So these people believed after the resurrection. So uh, it doesn't explain that at all. Right. Because there's no way to explain it. Jesus is still dead, buried in some other unmarked grave. Exactly. So, okay, first off, women were the ones who, who found Jesus first, right? Yes. Or found the tomb first, came yes. to the tomb first. So now these women 
were there, many of them were there at the cross, at the foot of the cross. Right. Mary was there at right. the foot of the cross. And so she was there when her son was buried. Right. Okay. But she didn't have enough foresight to know which tomb it was. Yeah. This is your son. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he's buried somewhere around here. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I knew I should have marked that with an X. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, so, the, so what happens whenever the women go to the, the tomb in the, in, on the third day and find it empty? They go back to the upper room across town. Right. And they tell the disciples, hey, Jesus isn't in the tomb. Right. Well, John and um, Peter and Peter have this foot race. Yeah. According to John, because he likes to to explain the fact that I beat Peter. By yeah. the way, I was faster <laughs> that day. So they raced, which probably meant they beat the women back. Right. Okay. So the guys are running back to the tomb, and they find it empty. So did it just so happen that they went to the wrong tomb also? <laughs> Well, Jesus is buried somewhere on this mountain. Yeah, it's got to be one of these tombs. <laughs> so and it was might have been another empty tomb. What, what in the world? <laughs> and according to Matthew 27, 65, there were guards posted. Right. That's the big one for me. <laughs> so it's like, okay, let's go to the tomb where the Roman guys are. That's probably the right one. Exactly. Big rock rolled in front, Roman guards posted all around. <laughs> There's your clue. That's the sign there. Oh, my goodness. So... Um, so here's the big kicker for this one, really. The Jews have to figure out a way to fix this, right? Yeah. All they got to do is find the right grave. That's right. They couldn't do that? Yeah. No, guys, you were wrong. It's over here. <laughs> they didn't spend the next few years saying, okay, wait a minute. If Jesus is buried somewhere, let's dig through every <laughs> grave until we find it. They would have done that. Right. This is a crazy thing. Absolutely, because so. what it's doing is changing their entire worldview. They don't like that. Of course they would have spent time looking. So right. it's a crazy theory. Here's I got an even better crazy one. Okay. Lay it the on me. Alien theory. <laughs> this theory suggested this that Jesus was actually an alien. That he was an, he was an advanced alien intellectual who knew all the ins and outs of Okay, wait, wait, stop right there. <laughs> How much faith does that take? Exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay, continue. So this alien dude who pretends to be Jesus walks around. Everything he says about God, does miracles. Why does he do this? That's the question. But anyways, he walks around, does all the miracles, says he's the son of God, all this stuff. They crucify him. But because of his advanced knowledge of uh, of health and healing, he heals himself rather quickly. It doesn't hurt him at all. And, uh, you know, he... he Raises again, quote unquote, but really he never dies because he's an alien, right. and so therefore you know he appears to everybody else, and then Your this accounts. Puny human weapons have no effect on me. <laughs> exactly, and then he raises from the grave. Now, here's a couple problems with that. Number one, it's it's a mute argument because uh, it's unfalsifiable. In other words, you can't prove it right. You can't prove it wrong. There's no proof of this at all. There's just it's just a stupid theory to begin with. Mm-hmm. Number one, why would Jesus walk the earth as a man if he was an alien? Why would he say what he said if he was an alien? It, yes. What's his agenda? What's What's his purpose? What is it? Just ha ha! Trick you guys! I'm an alien. I'm so, clever. Oh wait a minute! This could mean the second coming happened in 1947. Yeah. 
when when the when the craft crashed at Roswell, Roswell New Mexico. <laughs> Jesus tried to make it back, but he but, had oh well. he had plane malfunctions. <laughs> wow. So yeah, so that's thing. a that's another theory. Um, and again, that that's totally mute. And one of my biggest problems with this theory is why did he choose uh, Palestine in the first century? You know, to to come and, and do that. What, what was the? And have we ever had another encounter yeah. like that? And you have all these prophecies and everything like this. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should talk about the prophecy sometime. That's a yeah. really crazy study. But okay. Anyway, so do you have any more theories over there? Because I, that's the bulk of what I. Besides, found. besides the legend theory, the the major one, of course, uh, the number one theory that everybody. That everybody says is the stolen body theory. Oh, right. Well, which is what the Jews lean on. Exactly. Um, in fact, there was a pamphlet from uh, second century Palestine uh, called the uh, Toledoth Yesu that basically said um, that that Jewish is, Jewish people were warning that these followers of Jesus somehow stole the body of Jesus. Right. So don't believe in it. And, and they it's began this. They set this up even before Jesus was resurrected because they told Pilate. That's right. Set guards up they so knew. that he yeah. won't get stolen because we know this could happen. Exactly. Um. So there's a lot of there's a lot of weakness in this argument. This is again. This is the most. Uh, major theory out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the one that people rely on more than anything else. Well, this is what the disciples did. They wanted to start a movement. They wanted to create a religion. So what did they do? What's the best way to create a religion? We'll steal the body of Jesus, our founder, and we'll say that he rose from the dead, and then we'll start a religion based off of it. That's the argument. Um, And so the argument goes that they they snuck in, Mm -hmm. they stole the body, and then they, they, they hid it somewhere and then claim proclaim to everybody that Jesus had risen okay now there's a couple things wrong with this uh, story namely the first one is the guards mm-hmm. okay uh, we have a biblical account that there were guards posted at and I the believe two matrix. extra biblical accounts of that as well so they so Pilate according to what the Jews want because he's a people pleaser posts Roman guards, at the entrance of Jesus' tomb. I promise you that a disciple could not get past a Roman guard <laughs> with a sword. Okay? That's a problem. Um, well, uh, and if we go through the checklist thing here, they're nailing all the facts. Right. Except for really one, because they they use this to explain, okay, yes, he was crucified. We'll admit that. Yes, he did die. Yes, he was buried in a tomb. And yes, the tomb was found empty. Uh, they'll deny that friends saw Jesus and believed on his resurrection right. because they say it's a lie. But they can't explain at all why enemies or unbelievers in Jesus would then turn to Jesus and believe in him after the resurrection. Exactly. In fact, the disciples, if we go back and we look at what was happening that night, the disciples were not, uh, were not a fan of the crucifixion. What did they do? Well, they, they were confused. They were confused and they all deserted. And even though we just gave you a whole list of verses where Jesus says, this is going to happen. Right. Obviously, they didn't... They, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Because even in um, uh, like 
right before the crucifixion. Yeah, the Lord's Supper. And, yeah, and Jesus is is laying all this on them, and and what is it, Thomas? That was like. Well, we don't know where you're going. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Peter says, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Right, right. All this. Um, I have a little blurb I want to read about that, basically. It says, the gospel says, uh, and this is, again, out of the book I, I mentioned earlier. Yeah. The gospel say that when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples deserted him, despite their pledge earlier in the night to die with him. That was Peter, by the way. Mm-hmm. Good old Peter. Peter, leader of the disciples, denied that he even knew Jesus three times on the night of the arrest. The Sunday morning after crucifixion, Mary returned from the tomb to discover the other disciples mourning and weeping. They even refused to believe her story. Mm. Okay. Sunday evening, the disciples are described as hiding behind locked doors because they feared the Jews. Mm -hmm. Okay. When Jesus (laughs) appeared to them in the room, they were terrified, not expectant. Fifty days later, we see the apostles suddenly preaching publicly and performing miracles in Jerusalem. Right. Okay? So you see this huge transformation in the, the in the apostles. They went from being scared, hiding in a room. Right. And afraid that this was it. To standing in front of the temple in the middle of one of the biggest feasts yeah. that everyone is required to go to the temple. Yeah. To preach this. This is on Pentecost Day. And what happens on Pentecost? Well, the the same guy, Peter, the Apostle Peter, who very shortly before, 50 days before, denied Jesus three times in order to save his little skin, right? (laughs) Is the one to stand up. Is the one that's standing up and proclaiming the gospel boldly and getting arrested for it, Mm. okay? Proclaiming that Jesus is rode from the dead. And not only that... The disciples or the apostles, they become the apostles, are the most uh, credible uh, evidence that we have in support of the resurrection of Jesus. Right. Not because of their, not because they were just credible people, but because of their deaths. Exactly. How did the how did the disciples die? Well, we have a list. Let's uh, and you have a better one on on your app. There's another app that. Uh, that you should check out. It's called what's it called? Eyewitness. Eyewitness. Uh, the resurrection, and it's it's by Doug Powell also, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's actually there's a pop up book version of it. <laughs> <That's kinda> cool. <laughs> I but, like pop up books. They help me. <laughs> but understand the app things. works a little bit better. It's interactive. <laughs> you know, you can like tap on things and it gives you evidence and stuff. Sure. So we have a list of of, of the deaths that these disciples went through. So the, here's the question: How how much are you, what are you willing to go through to make your movement work? Right. <laughs> um, one of them that's not on the list that uh, I want to mention first is James, the brother of Jesus. Because yeah. we talked about people who were not believers beforehand, but became believers right. afterwards. Now, Jesus's half-brother, James, did not believe that, um, that Jesus was... Who he said he was. Right. It, it tells us that in John 7, verse 5. And also, he even implied that Jesus was crazy right. in Mark uh, 3, verse 21. So we see that he was not a fan of no. this idea he that my brother is the is the incarnate God. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, but he became a believer after the resurrection. He's specifically named there in 1 Corinthians 15, like you read before, verse 7. Uh, he was... 
In Acts 21, verse 18, he became a leader at the church at, at Jerusalem. Right. He actually wrote a book that we call the Bible. Right. The book of James was written by not James, not the, James the apostle, but James the brother of Jesus. Right. And he was martyred. And you know how he was martyred? <laughs> According to church tradition, he was carried to the highest point of the of the temple and thrown off. Right. Okay. He survived the fall. And so they asked him to deny what he was saying about Jesus, and he refused to, and they beat him to death. Now, what would you go through to prove that your brother was, was the, the son of God? Was the son of God. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't true, if he didn't firmly believe this with all his heart, there's no way you would go through this. Right. And that's the same way with all these guys. Well, and if, if that's the case, then torture is a mute uh, thing to do. There's no reason we should do torture because right. it, it's not going to have an effect. But if, if it saves our souls, if it is the meaning of life, right? it's worth it. Yeah. And that's right. So, so, so let's go through some of these. Okay. Uh, Peter. Yes. As we just talked about, Peter was later crucified in Rome. Right. And church tradition tells us that he did so upside down because right. he refused to be killed in the same way that Jesus was, and they granted him that wish. Uh, James the Apostle we was killed in the New Testament. Right. Um, he was killed by the sword in Jerusalem. He was beheaded. Uh, yep. we, have, um, we have Matthew. He, yeah. w- he was beheaded in Ethiopia. Right. So this also gives you an idea of how much these guys were traveling around oh, yeah, and, proclaiming and, spreading, and spreading this news. Bartholomew, this is when it gets me. Oh my goodness. Bartholomew was beaten, crucified, flayed, beheaded in Armenia. What? It's like, did one of those not take? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like what? I'm pretty sure by the time they were beheading him, he was probably dead. Hopefully. Somewhere in between there, he'd be like, whoa, 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 I was wrong. Yeah. We stole Jesus' body. Exactly. I'll even point out to you where it's at. Just don't flay me alive. Yes. Okay. Oh, so, my goodness. Then you have Thomas, who was the, the, the skeptic, right? right? Thomas the doubter. He was speared to death. In India. In India. Yeah. Uh, Simon the zealot was crucified in Britain. Right. Or what is now Britain. Uh, Matthias was stoned and beheaded in <laughs> Jerusalem. Uh, Philip was crucified in Hierapolis. Andrew was crucified in uh, Edessa, Greece. On an X-shaped cross. Right. Yeah. And So he was spread out like an X when he was crucified. Right. Not a cross, an X, like four. Sideways. Yes. Yeah, so, ugh. Diagonal. Ugh. So, and then you got another brother of Jesus's, Jude, uh, or Judas. He he was crucified in uh, Mesopotamia. Right. So, and then besides the apostles, you also have other, quote unquote, evangelists of, of the word, Mark. Mark was dragged through the streets of Alexandria until he died. And then you had Luke, who that we mentioned a while ago was the writer of the Gospel of Luke. I mean, he he was crucified in Athens. Yeah. So these guys all went to their death for this. Right. So And even Paul the Apostle was beheaded in Rome. Yes. Uh, all yes. these all of these disciples, all these apostles ended up giving their lives. John's the only John's the only one. And John, church church tradition has it, they couldn't kill John. He was boiled alive <laughs> with oil. Uh, he, he was and all these other 
they they finally just they exiled him to the island of Patmos where he ended his life. And so right. the the reality is is all these disciples went to their death believing in the resurrection and they were willing to go and pay the ultimate price and when i talk about death i'm not talking about a shot to the head no, i'm no. talking about the most painful excruciating ways look how many of them were crucified imagine death exactly they went through the same thing jesus went through exactly and jesus actually prophesied that mm-hmm. many of you will yes go through the yes. same wow. thing alone. and so you know uh one other theory that I forgot, we forgot, we can just throw out there, the hallucination theory. Oh, they were all on drugs. Yeah, they were all hallucinating. Now, here's you got some bad shrooms there, yeah. brother. The problem with the hallucination theory is this. They all hallucinated the same thing at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Anybody that's ever done drugs before will tell you that they hallucinate different things at different times. There's no... Here's, here's the, 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 the bottom line. There are historical facts that point to this, not even necessarily from the Bible. There right. are historical facts that point to these these things that we listed here. These six things, there's historical facts of it. Exactly. And in order to get around the resurrection, you've got to make something crazy up. Right. That doesn't even fit. That's right. So and there's and it it it's to me this is I wouldn't say irrefutable, but I, I it's enough evidence for the resurrection yeah. that you can put your faith in it, and you can die for it. That's right. In fact, millions have put their faith in it and died for it. And that gives the biggest validity of all of the resurrection of Jesus. And so, you know, again, when you come away from this, you have to accept one of three things. Either Jesus was a crazy man, he was a liar, or he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Amen. And so, uh, man, I hope that this strengthens your faith, but certainly strengthens mine. What a great topic for us to start out our GCT network. That's right. Because our involvement with them. Because what is, that's the great commission. What is the gospel? Amen. The gospel is that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. That's right. And because of that, you have an opportunity for eternal life Mm. if you'll embrace that. So that is the great commission. And we are transmitting it. Amen. <laughs> so before we before we close, uh, I got a little bit of uh, listener feedback. Sure. So not a whole lot, but uh, uh, some of it, one of these comes from Brendan, uh, wrote us a really nice note on the Stitcher oh, yeah. account. He says that uh, the Theonauts is an excellent tap into the Christian experience. Huh. This show moves me every time I listen to it. It's good to be encouraged by these guys because they see ways God reveals himself through the latest cultural phenomena. It's like a small group Bible study in or above, literally, a coffee shop. (laughs) Quiet and intimate, except for the espresso machine in the background. (laughs) But just as relevant as it is reverent. Good job, guys. Keep it up. Amen. So thank you, Brendan. Thank you, Brendan. That's Um, special. I also have a, a... a little bit of feedback from um, April, Texas. And she says, I love the show. I learned so much from each episode. Keep them coming. Awesome. So you guys keep uh, keep listening. Keep giving us feedback because yeah. uh, we love to, to hear how this is affecting you if at all. That's right. And it doesn't have to be positive. Give us some negative feedback. We're sure. not going to hide that from you. We're going <laughs> to... That's right. We're going to talk about any negative feedback we get as well. So just let us know what you think. If you disagree with something that we've said or if we made a mistake, which is entirely 
possible or right. probable, then let us know and we'll and we'll talk about it and and share. That that's just only mm-hmm. going to make us grow and make you guys grow as well. That's right. So on Twitter, you can you can get to us at uh, Theonautical. You can get to us uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Theonauts. And uh, check us out on, on theonauts.podbean.com. You can leave comments there. Uh, we've got email, links to our email and links to all of our, our um, portals. Right. Like iTunes and Stitcher and all that. And you can leave us comments anywhere in all of that stuff. Right. So go out there and... Get her done. All right. All right. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thanks, David. All right. God bless you. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com.